0: And we are live. Uh, Welcome, welcome to Live at Five. My name is Paul. I'm one of the leaders here at Kingfisher Church. Uh, Live at Five, we take about 30 minutes to look at a passage of the Bible together. Uh, This evening we're going to be looking at Psalm 27. So it's live. It's five o'clock. It's a lovely sunny evening. Uh, So there's lots of people outside. I'm on the ground floor right by a field. So you may hear me uh, competing with some noises Outside, but that's not going to stop us. So, whether you're joining us now, live at five, or later, uh, we're going to look together at Psalm 27. Let's begin with a word of prayer, Father. As we considered this morning, that you are the God who is above all, that Jesus is Lord over all things, that you have seated him at your right hand, and all power and all authority belong to him. So, we pray that as we Come to spend this time now as we look at your word, or that our hearts uh, would bow in obedience to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. But open our eyes by your spirit that we may hear what it is that you are saying, and more than that, that we may be obedient, that we may that we may be doers and not merely hearers of your word. Amen. Uh, so have a Bible open, please, to Psalm twenty seven. Now let's read this together. Psalm 27 of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, Even then will I be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says, if you seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not hand me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And wait for the Lord. Have you ever missed something that was right there in front of you? And we do it all the time, don't we? With keys, with with glasses. We're frantically trying to find these things and they're right there in front of us. Well, have you ever missed someone who was right there? When we lived in Scotland, Tanya was travelling back to St Andrews on the train. She'd been away Somewhere, I'm not entirely sure whether we were married at this point, but I decided to surprise her and I was going to meet her at Edinburgh train station, Edinburgh Waverley. And so I headed down without her knowing. I knew what time she'd be coming in, I knew what train and what platform she'd need to get and where she'd be going. So I got it all planned there. I got there in plenty of time just in case she got a train that was slightly earlier. And I waited for her and waited. and and waited. See Tanya decided a Edinburgh Haymarket another station it would be easier for her perhaps if she made a change and a switch there. See I was there waiting in Edinburgh I come to meet her I was meeting her in Edinburgh and yet she missed me. Now last week we saw how God meets us in our distress. The question is do we meet him? Do we meet the one who meets us? And we know in life it's easy to miss someone who's come to meet us. But it is the true same of God. Can we miss God as he comes to meet us in our distress? And when we read the Gospels, we, we see this happen all the time. The God himself, God incarnate, the Lord Jesus Christ... Who came to meet us humanity in our distress. And people miss him. Now whenever we find ourselves in times of distress. And we respond in utter despair. When we respond with destructive behaviours. Now isn't that a sign that we've missed the one who has come to meet us? God meets us in our distress. Now, how do we meet him? How do we meet the one who meets us in our distress? And I think Psalm 27 is instructive in this regard. So we're going to look through Psalm 27 and consider how we meet the one who meets us. Psalm 27 is entitled, A Psalm of David. I think that's important for us to remember that the words of this psalm, they're not theoretical. These are words that are birthed out of a living experience. The king, David, he experienced times of great distress. And yet the words of these psalms weren't just lived out by David. They were written in the scripture to be lived out by the people of God. But most notably, they were lived out by the son of David, Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus lived out the words of this psalm in order that we might live them out too. And this is how Hebrews puts it. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 to 9. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. We'll see how Psalm 27 fits into that in a moment. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. The Lord Jesus, who offered up these fervent prayers and became the source of eternal salvation. See, Jesus both empathizes. And empowers us in our distress. Jesus walked the road before us in order that we may follow after him. So we're going to walk this road then of Psalm 27. Discovering how we meet the one who meets us. How do we meet God in our distress? Well firstly, remember. Remember in times of distress. Remember who God is. Verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What does that mean for God to be our light and our salvation? For God to be the stronghold of our life? Verses 2 and 3, they go on to explain this, to unpack it. For God to be the stronghold, our light and salvation, it means when the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. See, with God as the stronghold, with God as salvation, it means that the tables turn. And this is a truth that shines out in all its brilliance as we look at the cross of Jesus Christ. There in that darkest moment of history, when the compassionate creator of all things, is rejected by the very ones that he had created. And as Jesus hangs there on the cross. It looks as though evil has triumphed. The son of God. The light of the world given over to the darkness of death. And yet in that very moment. that The tables were turned. Now that moment marked the beginning. The death blow to death itself. It was in that moment that evil stumbled and fell. The wickedness of our rebellion and sin was dealt with. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it wasn't Jesus simply escaping death. He triumphs over death. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In fact, the darkness has been overcome. The tables have been turned. And when we find ourselves in times of distress... We begin by remembering who God is. He is the stronghold. He is our light and salvation. And the difference that that makes. Look back and see how God has proved himself time and time again. And yes, we can look back at our own lives. But ultimately, we look back to the cross and we see there the glorious victory of God. We see who God is. The stronghold, the one who meets us in our distress. We meet God in our distress by first seeing who he is. Remember who God is. And secondly, then, resolve. Now, our children like uh, playing that game, Would You Rather. Questions like, would you rather only eat chocolate for the rest of your life or would you rather only eat chips for the rest of your life? That psalm here in verse 4, in many ways, presents us with an answer to a would you rather type question. Would you rather go through life with the absence of trials or with the presence of the Lord? How would you answer that question? Would you rather go through life with an absence of trials or with the presence of the Lord? Now, even if we could go through life without any trials, without any adversities, we would all still have to face up to death at the end of the day. But just remember who God is. God is the one who brings deliverance out of times of distress. And so really, which would you rather? Would you rather go through life Without trials, without difficulties, without distress, or would you rather the presence of the Lord? How would you answer it? This is how the psalmist answers it. Verse 4, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. We get some different words that are used here in these verses. So verse 4, house of the Lord, a temple. Verse 5, dwelling, a sacred tent. I don't know the exact reason why we've got this change from the image of a temple to the image of the tabernacle. I certainly the, the temple was a static structure. The tabernacle was one that was mobile. We can't perhaps be sure of the exact reason why it moves from one image to the other. But in doing so, these different words, it makes clear, it emphasizes that the desire is not for a particular building. It's not that the desire is for the building of the temple or, or the building of the tabernacle. There's something more. Because what was it that the temple and the tabernacle symbolized? Why were they so crucial? Why were they seen as so important? It's because they mark the place of God's presence. The desire is not for the temple itself. The desire is not for the tabernacle itself, but for the presence of the Lord, as we see here in these verses, to dwell in the house of the Lord and to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him. The desire is for the Lord's presence because the Lord is the stronghold. It's not simply that he provides a stronghold. He himself is the stronghold. And so in the light of who God is, as we remember who God is, then we resolve, we resolve to seek him. We don't look elsewhere because the Lord is the deliverer. This one thing, one thing do we seek. We resolve to seek the Lord. It's the Lord's presence. It's not the absence of trials that makes the difference. Verse five. Seek the Lord's presence, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. It's as though we've got this imagined scenario here being played out, the day of trouble. But that day of trouble, it is envisioned in light of the Lord's presence. How often do you find yourself envisioning playing out scenarios in your mind? We tend to do it a lot, don't we? Just the other week, I found myself thinking about the future and running through the different scenarios and what that might mean. If we leave Little Paxton in the summer, it's it's going to be sad. And there's also all these other things then that would need to be sorted that would need to come into place. But if we didn't leave it, if we stayed here, well, it'd be nice to be part of the Kingfisher family for a longer period of time. But then what if nothing else comes up? Or what if this happens or this doesn't happen and that doesn't happen? We we'll start playing out these different scenarios that this is what I need. And if I don't get this, then then things are all just going to fall apart. And I got my eyes off who God is. And who God is and how he meets us in our need. And I started to become anxious. And we run through these scenarios. We create them in our mind. We envision what might happen with our finances, with our health, with conflicts on a community level, on a global level. You know What if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? What if my plans don't work out? And we try and envision that future and to figure out a way to navigate it. Now, what is the thing that I need? What is the situation that I need to manipulate to, to make this happen the way that I need it to happen? And we become anxious. We become stressed. We start striving after that one thing. We envision, we imagine those scenarios. Now, I don't think that's so much the problem. The problem is what we do with that envisioning. How often do we follow in a path of this psalm? How often do we start with the one thing? You know, the one thing that we need, the presence of the Lord, and then Envision that day of trouble in light of the Lord's presence. In the light of who he is. That's what the psalmist is doing here. In the day of trouble. He will keep me safe in his dwelling. Envisioning that day of trouble. But in the light of the Lord's presence. And that's what the Apostle Paul does when he writes to the Philippians. You just bring this up. This is Philippians chapter one, verse 19. Paul says to the church, I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Notice the Lord's presence. Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Lord's presence with him. What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance or my salvation. In the context of that passage. It shows that when Paul's speaking about his deliverance, he's not talking about being released from prison. When he speaks about deliverance, he is speaking about showing and sharing in the glory of Christ. And the presence of the Lord means that day of trouble, the imprisonment that he is facing, eventually it is going to result in exaltation. See, when we envision that day of trouble... How often do we envision uh, the Lord's presence? How often do we envision the ultimate end of that distress? And the difference that the Lord's presence makes? As we see here, verse 6. Then my head will be exalted. This is the ultimate end. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice With shouts of joy, I will sing and make music to the Lord. That is the ultimate end. With the presence of the Lord. With the ultimate end, sharing in the new creation. Joining in song and celebration. Do you envision? Do you envision the difference that the Lord's presence makes? The ultimate end that day of distress how do we meet God in our distress well we remember we remember who the Lord is and then we resolve and we settle within our mind the one thing that we need the one thing to seek the presence of the Lord we remember we resolve thirdly and finally we respond respond Reflecting on my own life this last week or so, I realise how easy it is to remember, to resolve, and then just stop short. Now we tell ourselves God is in control, we memorise Bible passages, and then we we wonder to ourselves, why is it that I feel that, that God's not met me? Why is it that we've not met God in our time of distress? Nothing seems to have changed. And I think it's because we stop short. I mean, just imagine for a moment, you found yourself in a situation where you were financially hard up. You're strapped of cash. And then someone remembers, or sorry, someone reminds you, now your father, they've written you these checks. Oh yeah, I've got these checks. And so you find that check, you get it out, you look at it, you you hold it. And you start to envision now your financial situation in light of this check that you are holding. And yet you still find yourself in financial dire straits. Your experience of the situation hasn't changed. Now, why is that? It's because you haven't cashed That check in. Now, this isn't to promote a name it and claim it theology. But it is to say that a response is required. And we see what that response looks like in verses 7 to 13 of this psalm. I think verses 7 to 13, they take us to the pressing issue here of the psalmist. The actual day of distress is here. This is a day of distress. This isn't a theoretical day. This isn't remembering days of distress from which they've been delivered from before. This is the day of distress. And the day of distress is not an army besieging a city. Look, verse 12, it is false witnesses. It's false witnesses uttering slander. And such vile lies that it can lead to rejection even by the closest members of the family verse 10. That is the day of distress. That is the specific day of distress. And the truth of who God is, the stronghold, God as a stronghold, the difference that that makes, the difference of God's presence, it needs to be wrestled out within that particular trial, that particular situation. That's what it means to cash in the check, so to speak. Every New situation, every new triumph requires a new response. And just notice in these verses, it's messy, it's noisy. It's not just, I'm going to remember that God is in control. This is a crying out. It is a crying out until the truth of who God is, the truth of God's word is so deeply etched and engraved within our own hearts. And so hear my voice when I call, Lord, be merciful to me, answer me. And the crying out here, it's not a cry of a lack of faith. This is the application of faith. A child that is neglected for long enough may eventually stop crying out. This psalm here, it encourages us to cry out because God will not neglect us. This cry is not from a lack of faith. Crying out to God is the application of faith. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. In Jesus Christ, he faced the greatest slander and rejection that anyone has ever faced. Now he knows what it is to go through such times of trial, such rejection. And yet he has also promised that he will never reject anyone who comes to him. My father and mother may forsake me. The Lord will receive me. In the verses of this psalm, these are the heart cry. Lord, do what you have promised. Lord, be true to who you are. I am looking to you uh, to be my stronghold in this trial, this particular trial. Uh, There's a number of petitions that we could focus on for the sake of time. I would spend about a minute or so just on one of them. Have a look with me at verse 11. Verse 11, teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. In times of distress, it is easy for us to respond with sin. If we're being slandered, uh, that we pay back insult for insult, evil for evil. But as God meets us in our distress, as we meet God in our distress, things change. Now, we're changed. Perhaps this is a particular prayer for you this evening. In the times of your distress, I don't know what it is that you were going through. But maybe you need to share in this prayer of, lead me in your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path. This this cry out to God. It's the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. As he taught us to pray, deliver us from the evil. one. Deliver us so that the hardship of life does not become an excuse for a hardness of heart. That our sufferings does not become an excuse for sin. But Lord, you are my stronghold and I am looking to you and keep me. Keep me on the straight path. Keep me from the evil one. Lord, teach me your ways. Do we need to remember? We need to resolve. We need to respond. This cry out to the Lord, this cry out from faith, this crying out so that the word of God, the word of God that has been written on the pages of Scripture for us is so deeply ingrained and written on the tablet of our own hearts. Now, in every new situation, every new trial, it requires this new response. And so, finally, in verse 13, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Now, the fullness of deliverance, as we've considered, that's not going to be seen until the final resurrection. And yet, even in prison, the Apostle Paul could testify to the goodness of the Lord. Now, we await that final, that complete deliverance from the presence of evil. And yet, even now, we can experience, we are to experience this growing deliverance From the power of evil. Now as we cry out to the Lord. As we cry out to the one who alone is good. Now we are certain to see his goodness. Now as he subdues our sins. As he conforms us more to the image of Christ. As we participate in the joy the fellowship of his sufferings. And we can be confident of this. We will see the goodness of the Lord. Even in this life now. We look to the one who is good. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. Wait for the Lord. This waiting is no passive thing. Now how do we meet the one who meets us in our distress? Remember. Resolve. Respond. Now let's do that now as we close in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are the God who meets us in our distress, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has met us in our distress. Lord, who fully knows what it is that we are experiencing, who is that perfect, sympathetic high priest, as we considered this morning that the tender and the gentle heart of Christ that we thank you that you have met us and we pray lord that we would truly meet you that you would stir within our heart oh this heart cry no the promises That we read in scripture. That we wouldn't just leave them on the page. But that we would take them deeply into our hearts. That we would cry out to you. So that these words are are so written on our hearts. That we see you as the stronghold. As the deliverer of our light. As our salvation. In any and every situation we are in. Father I pray for us as a church. For those who are listening. Whatever trial. That your children find themselves in. Even those who do not yet know you. Or may there be a great crying out to you. That we may see the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who meets us in our distress. The one who is exalted. Who reigns above all. The one that our knee would bow. That our hearts would be warmed. And that we would walk in accordance with your ways. Lord, fulfill your word within us, we pray. Amen. Uh, Well, thank you uh, for joining us uh, live at five uh, this evening. We are, for those of you who are part of the home group, we're going to be looking a bit more at Psalm 27 on Tuesday. And next Sunday, we're going to be taking a break from Psalms. And we are going to be back uh, the following week. I think it's Psalm 85 we're going to be looking at then. So thanks for joining us and see you again soon.